Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 475 on Monday, the 23rd of May, 2022. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we rejoice at being allowed illegal access to electricity. We wonder if there is any way one fin can be stopped. And there looks to be good news for fans of something really jolly fast. But first, we go into some follow-up. It's not follow-up. It's not follow-up. I'm sorry. It is an expert response follow-up. <laughs> I, I declared it wasn't follow-up because we, we weren't really wrong. It, it's just, it's it's an expert response. No, no, it's more us. detailed to the story. That is what follow-up is about. It's not just about us being wrong. Right. But this is thanks to Tom Lipscomb from uh, Priestman Good, and they're a design company. And he helped clarify what circular economy is because I was stumped and Alan sort of knew it, but I was still stumped. So Tom stepped in to help us out. It wasn't called that when I was, you know, a design student. Dealing oh, with back things. in the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The explanation we've been given, and I'm going to quote here from his very kind email, is one of the key pillars of good design. And for them as a design company, it relates heavily to the way products are made in that individual components should be easily disassembled into their constitute parts. Constituent parts, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it's quite important as well in motoring because, of course, there are loads of regulations uh, coming in and certainly muted for a long time about the fact that if you manufacture complex goods, then you are responsible for the recycling and the end of life of those complex goods as well. Yeah. Essentially, if you somebody buys a car at the end of the life, the car should really go back to the manufacturer for them to pay you a market value for it and then to be able to harvest, recycle, whatever uh, the materials within it. Mm-hmm. So that's really where all of this stuff comes in. Yep. Thanks, Tom. Much appreciated. Yes. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much. We really appreciate fe- any feedback like that. It's, it's always gratefully appreciated. If if nothing else, we know that somebody has listened. <laughs> <laughs> right, go on, take us to new news then. <laughs> Ford, they have had a sales ban, a nationwide sales ban put on them. In fact, not just a sales ban, but also a production ban in germany and it's not all fords it's only fords able to establish an internet connection which happens to be most i was gonna say is that not all fords (laughs) yeah yeah essentially it's about violation of patents within that system and it's a company called ip bridge incorporated a japanese company it was decided by a regional court in munich however Whilst that is the decision of the court, it isn't legally binding. Ford have been told, you can't make or sell cars that use this, but actually, uh, what we're saying, it doesn't matter, you can keep on saying it. It can still be appealed. However, IP Bridge Incorporated of Japan have to pay a 227 million euro bond, essentially, for it to be enforceable. Yep. Basically, it's it's going back to some of the suits that we've already seen, particularly with Mercedes-Benz, about tech firms wanting car manufacturers to pay royalties for some of the technologies in their nav system, in their comm systems, and, and in some of the systems that ultimately will drive towards possibly enabling vehicles to have some, uh, to, 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 ah, oh, driverless, autonomous driving. That's what I'm trying not to say. 
And you can tut and blow and huff at me, Andrew, but that's what I'm trying to say. No, I know. I know. Uh, It's all to do with LTE networks. And Mm. Ford are making no comment at this point because they are waiting for the written opinion of the court until they respond. But one can imagine they don't believe that they've done anything wrong. But as we saw with with the Mercedes case, if you're using someone else's tech, I'm sorry, you have to pay for it. End of. But we'll see, we'll see where this goes, and once we see any more updates of it, we'll let you know. Yes, of course, it could just fizzle out quite quite quickly. Yeah. And they just go, okay, we'll start paying you. Sorry. Mm. Yes, exactly. Anyway, uh, something which doesn't seem to be fizzling out very quickly, Andrew, the London uh, ultra-low emission zone. Quite. Whereas other places are postponing, London is marching forward, and this now is the public consultation for expanding it to cover pretty much all of London, which is That that means they've decided. (laughs) That means they've essentially decided. I mean, it's not really the ultra-low emission zone. It's really the TfL funding zone. Quite. There is... Well, what's going to happen is they, from... The way this is worded, this public consultation feels like it's pointless, but Mm -hmm. this would come into force from the 29th of August 2023 and it would mean £12.50 a day for cars, vans and motorcycles that do not meet the standards for the ULEs that are already in place but they just now have cast the net even wider. There Mm -hmm. is also in part of this consultation asking for opinions on talking about pay to drive and for charges per miles which Previously, when this was announced, the mayor said it was not going to be part of any scheme. Yes. So it's interesting that this has come back into things as a possibility. Yes. There is one other thing in this businesscar.co.uk story as well that's linked in the show notes, and that's that a vehicle scrappage scheme to support the removal of older vehicles from the road is also planned. Oh, no. Okay, well... It's a generally miserable news, that one, to be perfectly honest. I, I, I'm not, it, it's, you know, yeah, it's so just it's, basically expanding where they're going doomed. to take money from. Yes. Uh, the, the way some of the wording and quotes are from there, I, I don't think it's about clean air. It's about how to generate cash, unfortunately. It is. It's all about how to generate cash. They're not even, it's, and it's shameless uh, as well. There's no pretense of it being anything else, really. It's all rather depressing. Yes. Right, do you want to take us to the DVLA and some new learning information? There is. So we've talked recently about how the DVLA were getting rid of the need for trailer tests for many of us. And uh, so what they've announced this week is a new trailer learning syllabus. (laughs) (laughs) Which is called the Learning to Drive a Car and Trailer Syllabus. And it says... Enter a quote. The training syllabus sets out how to train drivers and the skills, knowledge, and understanding they need to to be a safe and responsible driver when towing a trailer with a car, van, or pickup truck. It was developed by the DVSA, the Driver and Vehicle Standards Agency, working in partnership with the Trailer Towing Advisory to achieve our common goal of keeping everyone safe in Britain. This is about competence, not about legal ability to trailer trailer. This is good practice. And it's the kind of thing which is covered by sort of certificates of professional competency and that kind of thing. If, for example, you are required to pull a trailer in a work capacity, Mm. your employer may decide that actually you should go on 
some trailer trailing training glad i've only had two sips of this beer uh, <laughs> to go on that and, and so this is the syllabus for that kind of thing so it's teaching best practices and how to load trailers and what the requirements are around correctly yeah they've basically shifted the responsibility onto companies yeah if you don't do this then we'll do you for duty of care but we're not making it a legal requirement that everybody needs to do it and you which hmm. just whatever okay i'm beyond Beyond getting cross about them. High, high level 12, 12 points. I'm beyond being cross with them about it. Uh, high level 12 points are preparing a vehicle and its occupants for a journey. How to guide and control a vehicle whilst towing. How to competently reverse a vehicle and trailer. It's given how few people can competently reverse a car, that'll be impressive. How to uncouple and recouple the trailer safely and competently using the roads in accordance with the highway code. Driving safely and responsibly in the traffic system road safety benefits yes road safety generally is beneficial fuel saving driving techniques go the greens uh safe driving techniques safe loading i love how fuel saving is above safe by the way vehicle handling techniques and legislative requirements as well so obviously if you if um yeah whenever you need to tackle that kind of stuff and the the assessment may be carried out by the course trainer or other competent qualified person so this is for professional qualifications or if you feel that you'd you would like to have a certificate that said that that just affirms that you know what you're doing mm. and if you want to start a trailer for the first time this is a good way to learn i have to say if i was to want to tow a trailer i would actually go and seek some help and instruction because i yes. would i would not feel competent now in grabbing a trailer and driving with it with a load on or, or even empty i mean i can drive in a straight line forward but don't ask me to do anything else <laughs> obviously this in this includes horse boxes it was the uh, rockingham horse trials the last weekend so goodness me there are a fair number of nag wagons at 30 miles an hour and also caravans as well so you know if you are interested in, tra in trailing either of those to be honest of course in the stuff's a good idea yeah, absolutely. I actually like that story. Sorry, apologies. Far too much waffle on the sto on that story. It should just have been a quick one, but eh, never mind. It's my show. I'll do what I want. <laughs> the next one won't be long. This is the news that the government is opening up further trialling of the technology of noise cameras. They've been in place in London for a little while. It's about three years, I think, where they mm. have apparently found, spotted, heard... 280-odd <laughs> cars that have broken the 72 decibel level. You know where they were? You know where they are? They're around Harrods. Oh, well. Where all, all of the various um, crown princes decide to go with their Lamborghinis and So how many of those fines stuff. do we think have been paid? Well, that's a difficult question. It's one thing to issue a fine. It's slightly different for ones that are actually paid. It's a bit like the uh, mm. the... The embassies that must have racked yes. up billions by now and not paying the congestion charge or whatever. We really should find the up-to-date list of that and see if America still tops the list of hasn't paid the congestion charge with France in second, wasn't it? Remember, we covered that a couple of years ago. Yeah, <laughs> we need to look that up, yeah. But anyway, Grant Shapps to Much Noise haha, uh, was talking about how rowdy and anti-social drivers the boy racers should be gone from from evermore from our roads uh, is this as much a problem as everybody 
or is this is trying to make um, a- it comes it comes and goes it was definitely by the way in west london it was it was a proper issue so i can yes parts of west london proper issue but you would fail your mot not if you don't have a british raised license plate on it well that that's a whole different matter that's like you're oh, oh, just oh, illegal oh, oh let alone the noise. No, 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 no. It could quite easily be registered to Saudi Arabia or Qatar and be completely legal. Well, if they're, yeah, but if it's these people, they're not going to pay it anyway. But anyway, so I, I look forward to the new way of monitoring us remotely without using people coming to the rest of the country soon. I th- there's a good one here. The Times reported that between June 2021 and February 22, 289, cars were recorded making more than 100 decibels of noise far beyond the levels in which sustained exposure might result in hearing loss what are people doing running along behind the cars with their heads beside the exhaust pipe come on give over uh, well anyway. it's just it's just it's easy isn't it because there's such an anti-car narrative anyway well, and any just... of this slightly outside left field type interesting cars Oh well, you're not one of the norms, so it must be wrong. And <sighs> there's a great, there's a great picture of Grant Chaps here, uh, leaning against a Focus, uh, a Focus ST, which doesn't have its badge closed properly, and trying to look like Jeremy Clarkson, and it is really quite sad. I really think of all the of all the stuff we've got on our plates on the British roads today, noise for me is quite low down on things we should be worrying about. Well, there's all sorts of bits and pieces. Hmm. Right, take us to Tesla then. Come on. Tesla are letting other people use some of their chargers. Yes. Yay. This is a good thing. This is a good thing. 15 of the 158 stations, so under 10%, are going to be available to drivers of evs from other brands now one thing i did notice as i looked through the list of 15 of them and where they were on the map is that none of them are anywhere near a motorway Mm. i imagine that that has something to do with the agreements with uh grid surf and the electric highway yeah it must be because obviously they have the contracts for those at, at service stations uh they're quite obscure places around the country i now can't find them uh well yes aberystwyth aviemore bambury well that's relatively close to the motorway in all fairness cardiff dundee flint uh Eurotunnel at folkestone that's a another useful one actually trafford center so there's there are actually some good uh wokingham uh so there are actually some which which could get highly used and and Mm. will be a very useful addition to the ev infrastructure there Uh, i've said for quite a long time it has annoyed the heck out of me that tesla have all this infrastructure much of which isn't being fully utilized when there are other ev brands and that it really just by keeping this stuff to one brand is not it's not very helpful business point of view yes exactly exactly so this is this is a good start However, there's always a however. There's always a however. Uh, however, it, in order to use it, you do have to sign up to the Tesla app. And that brings its own challenge because that actually means that you are contravening the appropriate uh, UK, uh, UK laws around introduction of new EV charges where you have to be able to pay uh, without actually signing up to an account or taking out any form of contract 
with the provider. Yeah, signing up to an account is considered under the rules as uh, agreeing to a contract, and that's a no-no. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to see how Tesla get around this, if they can be bothered getting around it, whether they... Well, but, what, 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 uh, what are people going to do? Fine them? How much? And then they'll just fight back. I mean, after all, the, the Lord High Almighty is, is looking for new litigation lawyers to, uh, to uphold his powers of free speech. <laughs> <laughs> it has become beyond, beyond a joke, really. I think it's a good thing. Be aware that it's not every supercharger. It's a very select number and number of locations. And also that you will have to sign up to the Tesla app before you can get it. And you can check uh, if your car can actually charge via their superchargers as well because we have to remember that not all cars will charge via the tesla superchargers oh yes that's a very good point i hadn't thought about that one also it's ccs plugs only as the first one so your nissan leaf and your uh, lexus ux 300 e and your renos obviously can't connect mm-hmm. uh, to that so uh, so yes we shall see yep we shall see anyway i think it's a positive thing Overall is positive. The execution needs some tweaking. Isn't that the story? (laughs) Right. On better (laughs) or more universal electric charging news. And this is the news that the NEC group and the EV network have been given planning permission to install a, frankly, massive, compared to what we've got up to now, massive charging hub at the NEC campus, which I presume is just the NEC place. And they've called it grandly called it campus. This will hold the ultra rapid 300 kilowatt DC chargers, which will be capable of charging 32 EVs at any one time, which is excellent because it's not too far from the M42 and is reasonably close to the M6. And it's Birmingham Airport. And the Birmingham Airport. Also, they will be converting an existing car park to hold 150 bays of 7 kilowatt chargers which you can all use if you're going to a conference or an exhibition or whatever, and you're there all day. See, that's sensible. Yes. You don't need rapid. You don't need fast. You just need to be able to plug in and let it trickle away gently. Yeah, because you're going to be there for, what, three, four hours, whatever, if you're going to a conference or something or exhibition. Most likely all day. Great. Mm -hmm. I think that's a a brilliant move and well, well thought through. Because they've got the short-term people who are going for meetings and stuff, but then they've got the longer-term stuff as well. There's actually quite a lot of good thinking because uh, it says here in this, this story from Zapmap that plans for the hub also include the build of an adjacent drive through coffee shop operated by a national chain to cater for visitors while they wait for their vehicles to charge. It's almost as though people have listened to us, Alan, on top of Renault's CEO. <laughs> this will provide indoor seating and an additional 26 standard parking bays for other customers. Yeah. It's great. It's going to be loaded with salesmen and stuff charging their their 0% benefit in kind yeah. uh, EVs whilst they meet colleagues. Uh, or do calls and do numbers from the coffee shop, which is perfect. Yep. Sorry, that's great. That's a positive, believe it or not. Partly because I'll never have to go there. But no, that's great. It's. It's. I think that that sounds like a dashed good idea. Well done, everyone. Yep, I really like that. And more of those, please. Mm. Right. Do you want to unfortunately take us back to Tesla? Two Tesla stories in a show. Notice that I didn't take either of them. <laughs> yes, I, I did, actually. That was not lost on me. A story from the Register, it's a technical equivalent of, I don't know, 
the drive uh, website. Uh, Tesla are pretending they're JLRs, essentially. So it's a Tesla Model 3 and Model Y. There is the chance that the passive entry, so the convenient entry, could be hoodwinked by a relay attack, uh, says says this article. No, it will be. If someone does one, it will be. There's no could or... It or, says... No, I'm quoting. I was quoting. This is Stop definite arguing. I was because, quoting. Of, because says, of what's the could, problem. <laughs> I know. I know, yes. Uh, so it says, could potentially be hoodwinked by a relay attack. Now, oh, I read this the other day, but hopefully I won't get all the technical aspects if it's wrong. It's to do with the Bluetooth low energy that your smartphone can use to connect with items around about, in this case, the item being the car. Mm-hmm. So what this does is that the the strength of the signal between the phone and the car tells the car roughly how far away you are, and whenever it feels that the signal is strong enough, it will then unlock the doors. Yes. And then let you do whatever. Yep. This is part of their, it's called passive entry system. Yes. So basically you just walk up and it's it's ready for you. It's one of those systems. Not you have to touch the door handle or anything. It's just already open and ready. Yes, yes, yes. It's all, it's all powered up, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the thing that happens here is that you can fool the car into thinking that the smartphone is close enough to it. If you have a device roughly near the smartphone at one end and another device roughly near the car at the other, then the device near the car can mimic the smartphone and then basically open sesame and you're in and, and you're away if, if you need be. I mean, that's a very simple way of doing it. It's all to do with latency and all sorts of fun stuff like that. There, there is a safer way to do this through Bluetooth that I won't go into. Essentially, Tesla have chosen not to do the safer way. They've chosen the simple way, but one that is massively open to being exploited. And the only way to get around it, switch off passive entry. Yes, you can do that from control settings, doors and locks, passive entry, and then turn that off if you happen to have a Tesla to hand. But you know what? Honestly, I am... Here we go. Inc- increasingly becoming sick to the back teeth of all car manufacturers not taking software and security seriously because that's what's happening this is oh we'll just do the bare minimum it looks sexy but never mind the the results of it you know frankly the consumer we the consumers are being massively let down by all manufacturers because we are seeing senior officials of companies making ridiculous claims of what their software is going to do or they've got a fancy idea in their head and they ignore the reality of how bad an idea it is or how much it exposes the customer and they don't seem to care and they, I, I've, they don't probably, they probably don't get much of a, much of a choice in, in many cases because somebody in marketing comes along and says we've got to do this and people in engineering go are you really sure about that and they go no no it has to do this this is what they're telling us and this is what the customers are telling us you must do this yeah, well, there needs to be some adults in the software world that turn around and just go, no, because it will lead to this, this, and this. So we're not doing that because we value your, we value you actually keeping hold of your car more than you being able to just walk up to it and open a door. But then we can buy another, but then we can build another one and, and class it as registered. It's another new one of our cars out there. Even your humor is not going to mollify me on this one. I am I am beyond angry with how often this is happening now. We managed it. We got through the first Tesla story, okay, but unfortunately the second Tesla story seems to have broken Andrew. But I put that to everybody. That was not just at them. They no, are bad for it, Don't. but so there are many yes. others that are as well. Yes. 
Yes. Do you want to tell us about emission analytics? I will. Tire degradation, degrad, yeah, that thing. Yes. <laughs> well, emission analytics last year brought out a paper on how much tires degradate when they are used heavily or if there is aggressive driving. Now, the RAC and an expert, not in tires, but an expert, jumped on that and basically called them out and said it was a load of rubbish. So Emission Analytics, who we believe do a pretty good job of trying to do real-world mm-hmm. stuff. Yes. They get independent people in to check out their workings out, just to double-check that they are along the right lines and all this sort of stuff, and they're not being unrealistic and things like that. Well, they've gone back and looked at real-world tyre uh, wear and what that means for particulates in the air. And on this instance, they've actually found out that tyre particles are 1,850 times worse than tailpipe emissions. That's huge. 1,850 times worse than tailpipe emissions. That's from all cars in normal use. Aggressive driving is horrifically bad, obviously. The fundamentalist that jumped up and down and said, oh... Electric cars won't do that because they're not hard on their thing. Just because you're just because they're heavy doesn't mean that they will. This they have tested it on all types of cars in normal driving conditions that has been independently verified by the National Physical Laboratory in the UK. Oh, okay, yes, they correct. So they they quantify the uncertainties in their measurement. I'm quoting here, uh, and their measurements of chemical composition. Here we go. I when I was reading through this the first time, I thought. Next time I see somebody claim their car is zero emission, I'm going to write to the advertising standards agency and say, no, it's not, is it? And he cuts all the tyres. <laughs> but then I thought, no, I couldn't be that sad. <laughs> yes, I, I, and I would be strongly tempted to come up to your grim northern town and punch you for doing but that. But somebody will do it now. Because oh, yeah, they will. Don't forget, people complained, some- people complained when Hyundai said that their hydrogen was uh, zero emission. Oh, yeah. Don't forget. Yeah, 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 yeah. But more seriously, tyres, massive, massive problem. What I don't have a link for here is Emission Analytics have actually got a subscription service where mm. you can find out where tyres from particular manufacturers end up the particles. Oh, right. Gosh. Yes, down to the manufacturer and the tyre because they know the compositions. Whoa. That's that's quite. I don't know if I don't know if that's that's great, but but yeah, that's that's it's a little scary to be honest. But yeah, I I can completely understand. Expect this to really kick in, uh, and from car companies needing to worry about it, tire companies needing to worry about it, and us because we'll be there'll be some way they'll find us to evolve the governments and legislators will find to charge us for using a tire now i presume well there'll be there'll be stuff well it's already do you know there'll be there'll be all sorts of things like sure these new tire these new tires are much much greener but you're more likely to slide off the road in the rain mm. or no you're not allowed winter tires anymore what any of these kind of things so it, it's just going to be kind of kind of careful and it is getting to the point where we shouldn't leave our houses, should we? <laughs> no, exactly. Um, not unless you're the Prime Minister. The, do you know what I'm also taking from this? Just how clean car tailpipes are. Yes. 
and emission analytics have. I saw a long conversational thread with someone I follow that's uh, very much a proponent of EVs, but isn't a fundamentalist with it. They they back it up with science, and they're very analytical, and they 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 are in academia in Europe. Mm. And you can actually hold a conversation with them as well, so that's always helpful. Wow. And he was questioning their methodology on tailpipe emissions and stuff, and they went through and just explained, no, we've been doing it for 20 years, we do this, this, and this. But they were saying, particularly with diesels, mm-hmm. adding the ad blue makes mm-hmm. such a huge difference. It is yeah. like many, many times less emissions now because of ad blue. And the guy was questioning this, and they said, "No, no, here and blah blah," and showed them stuff. And he was like, "Oh, right, that's that's brilliant to know. Thank you for that." And mm-hmm. they, this is how much of a person you could speak. They could speak. They actually ended on friendly terms. And there was no screaming or shouting, going, "I don't believe it, it you're in big oil's on, pocket and all this stuff." It, it does happen on the internet occasionally. Yes. I know. Who, who I would mean, have thought synthetic synthetic pig pig urine would be quite so powerful and useful? <laughs> Do you want to finish the first part with something that gives us a glimmer of hope and cheer after I've been so grumpy for most of the first part? Well, it's something which, to be honest, I wanted to read. I've wanted and hoped that I would re- be able to read out, but didn't actually think I would. And it's, as its autocar ho- uh, headline says, Hope for Bloodhound LSR Project as Sponsor Talks Start Again. Fingers crossed, everyone that the currently mothballed Bloodhound Landspeed Record car team project uh, will be back up again. So they're, they're starting conversations with potential commercial partners following on from obviously the November 2019 test where they hit 628 miles an hour. Then they hope to, to be able to, to leverage that uh, to remind sponsors they exist and to be able to get back to South Africa onto the prepared track and um, go at it. But it's not just that they exist. It's the importance of following through on this project because it's not just about strapping a rocket to four wheels and finding someone insane enough to cling onto the front of it and hope that they break the sound barrier. There Mm. there is so much else that goes into it, as the the mothballed rear view demonstrates, that when we had one of the aerodynamic engineers off there and he was discussing the stuff that they were doing. There, There is so many things that will help us move forward as society and scientifically and technologically just mm-hmm. by following through on this project. And I, re- I really do believe, or I do believe we should do it, but I, I am so, I, I sit there with fingers and toes crossed that enough money comes in that they can do it properly and do it justice where they can get enough results back that are meaningful and people can then understand because it's one thing to you know computer modeling that none of us see but actual benefits that we'll all know and i think the bloodhound team and their marketing and communications team have done a great job of explaining to us about how, what they can do and their educational program that they did do with school kids was a great thing as well mm. Well, that continu- that has continued, by the yeah, way, in the background. A, a so the educational program entity. has continued, yeah, separate entity from the actual car, but yes, started at the same time. So, If you know anybody with quite a few million just sitting down the back of the couch not doing anything, dear listener, please do Or a few people in. who each have a million. Yes, do point them in the direction of this project. 
and see if we mm-hmm. can get it over the line, because I, I really hope so. In the meantime, Andy Green, who is the the, the nutter brave enough to do this, uh, plans to sail across the Atlantic. Marginally more sedate, I imagine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely not under your own control, anyway. Yep. So that, as Andrew said, is the end of the first part. Time once again for me to remind you about the Move Conference, where Andrew and I will We'll both be taking part on Wednesday, the 15th of June. The conference runs from Wednesday, the 15th to Thursday, the 16th of June, and is at the Excel Centre in East London. Mm -hmm. The conference and exhibition covers all sorts of topics that we love to talk about on the Motoring Podcast, including electric cars, autonomous cars, security, regulation and liability, future fuels, business models, and much, much more. Andrew, you're going to be introducing and hosting a number of panels and talks uh, throughout the Wednesday morning, aren't you? I am indeed. Uh, I will be looking after a stage for a couple of hours. The They have decided that I am a safe pair of hands, apparently, to do this. So I'll be introducing the likes of Peter Bosch from Bentley, Alexander Petrovsky from Volvo, Peter Campbell from the FT, Paul Wilcox, who we talked about last week from Vauxhall, soon to be all of Stellantis UK, Mm -hmm. and Jim Holder from Autocar. They'll be on a a panel uh, amongst others, and there'll be a few other people I'll be introducing as well. So if you'd like to see the two of us on stage, because Alan's panel is a bit later in the afternoon, after I've had a lie down so I can still get a chance to see it, and the rest of the conference in person, obviously, not just us, then we have a limited number of free guest passes for our listeners. You can find a link to register for those, as well as a link to the entire conference schedule in the show notes. Brilliant. Thank you. That was felt really weird, somebody else doing part of the guilt minute bit whenever I'm, uh, whenever I'm, whenever I'm actually here. <laughs> Other thing, very quickly, we talked last week about Jim McGill and uh, his drive by uh, Volkswagen XL1 across uh, the US. He completed that this morning. Congratulations, Jim. Well, he and Al- he and Alan completed that this morning, so congratulations. And they've also passed through their £4,000 target, target of raising funds for Alzheimer's outside my research uk uh, obviously the just giving is still open so if you'd still like to if you've got a, a couple of spare quid that you can flick uh, outside my research's general direction then you will find the link to the just giving uh, in the show notes jim has managed to exhaust himself so much he is he's, he's at the hospital earlier is on he? just before we recorded yeah um so oh. uh yeah i hope you're feeling better mate yes jim yeah the- yes just knackered oh uh, by the way his youtube be a link to that in the show notes as well uh, where yep. there have been video updates uh, each day I- i've got to say yes some of the pictures from yesterday uh, and the one where they're above the golden gate bridge they passed the five thousand uh the three thousand mile mark on the golden gate bridge so yeah the pictures from above that looking out over the bridge and the san francisco are just absolutely flipping stunning as well as once the bonville store flats if anything yes. ever looked ever looked like a ufo it was there so <laughs> yes advertising section over i think well, it's advertising section if we get paid for it isn't it yeah not not quite because uh just a quick reminder to listeners and um, because we know that you'll enjoy this but uh, salvage hunter classic cars is back next week on the 2nd of june 
just a reminder to set your recording devices to stun unless you are a Quest Plus. Is it Plus? It's Discovery Plus. Discovery Plus subscriber, then I would imagine you've probably got access already, have you? I don't know. I haven't looked yet. But I can get okay. all the Drew Pritchards all the time. Let's move on to motorsports. When we say motorsport, we just mean WRC nowadays. But <laughs> uh, And this is all about WRC Rally Portugal. Wow. Again, I mean, I was quite right now. I have learnt my lesson. I was quite right to say I'm not going to bother picking who's going to do what where because each rally seems to throw all the spanners in the air and hit as many people as possible. And it certainly did this time. Kelly Rivenpera, who was tipped by most people to at best just keep it safe and bring it home and get as many points as he could, won by keeping it safe and driving faster than everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) That is normally the recipe for winning a rally, isn't it? Yes. He beat Elvin Evans, who was second. First of all, brilliant news, Evans, second points. He finished a rally in the points. So that's brilliant news for him. He's on 35, I think, now. I I don't believe the title is realistic, but... He can hopefully move forward from this now. Um, ideally, he would have wanted to win, but Reven Perra was just unstoppable. He was phenomenal. Now, this was a rally in which some of the old masters and the old, I wasn't going to say egos because I don't believe they are that, but certainly their experience was coming back mm-hmm. in. So Ogier, Loeb, and Hyundai brought uh, Sordo back in. Mm-hmm. Loeb and Ogier crashed out. Loeb's was quite an odd one. It was just off the start, and he just slid out to the right and hit the end of a concrete barrier and oh, ripped wow. off the back right wheel. Oh, that's uh, And Ogier, he span as well. But Sordo, who has not had any time in the car, and Hyundai seemed to think, oh, that's fine, we'll just chuck him in because he's a gravel specialist, would be fine. And he did phenomenally well to end up third because he beat... Toyota's third driver, Takamoto Katsuta. Uh, he was fourth by two seconds in the end. But Sordo said, he said he was he drove phenomenally well, Katsuta, because he had to give it absolutely everything. He said it was now or never, all or nothing to mm-hmm. overhaul him. And he did it by two seconds. And there's quite a few videos on social media of Sordo going up to Katsuta and just saying, don't you be sad, you drove phenomenally well. You you should be really proud. He's had a because Katsuta's has had a pretty grim season so far. He's been towards he's, the end. Of, well, he's either crashed or had um, hybrid issues or both. So he's struggled. Yeah, it was it was very very nearly a one two three Toyota, mm-hmm. which not many people were predicting. No, Ford and M Sport not a great weekend. I saw a tweet from Jay Ford PR Supremo is where I was trying to go with that. Jay Ward saying that he had a Lovely time and fantastic crowds in Portugal, but yeah, not a great weekend for for M Sport and Ford. No, they struggled. That um, dust got into the cars, hmm. so the visibility for the drivers was like nothing. <laughs> they are from the Lake District, so they are more used to mud than dust. <laughs> yeah, fairness. Another thing I want to point out was how Thierry Neville. Because he had he he had issues, which meant he finished in fifth, two minutes thirty seven behind Roven Perra. The way he went up to Sordo after Sordo finished and everything, Nouvelle this year for me 
is the Hyundai team leader. He has dragged the Hyundai car to the positions he has in previous rallies. I mean, you can see the effort he's putting in, the, the, the grit and the skill, and he's just throwing absolutely everything at it. And he is just exuding team leader to me, where Tanak is invisible. He does seem to, this, this season he does seem to be, yeah. yeah. And uh, I am hugely disappointed, even though Tech has let him down. And, you know, there was one rally it put 10-minute penalties on him because the hybrid system died. But you, you've still, if you're pretending to be the number one or you think of yourself as the number one, you've got to be up there and supporting the rest and being visible and this sort of stuff. And it's just not, I'm just not seeing it. I know it's slightly different in rally because it's three individuals, three individual drivers in a team. But yeah, still, exactly. the way Nouveau's behaving, he he's like gone, I'm... I'm the one here that realizes we're struggling, but I'm going to help us all out. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm really impressed with him this year. I, I've been very critical of him in previous years because I think he's blown chances that he's had. But mm. I'm really, really impressed this year with him. Almost as much as Rovan Perra, who's just phenomenal. <laughs> There's no stopping him. <laughs> Sorry, I went on long there with the WRC. Do you want to take us to the lunchtime read? Uh, so lunchtime read, I will go short. This is an excellent excellent article from Haggerty. it's called mud wrestling at some point in the 1993 camel trophy we began naming the leeches it is by uh someone who i came across from car and driver a chap called john phillips i didn't realize he'd ever taken part in the in the camel trophy back in the early 90s it's it's a great read it really is um do be careful scrolling down if you're not a fan of big insects and, and, and stuff but you know when you look at the camel trophy you think oh that must be great fun uh enter that R- read this this'll 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 put you off the idea forever it's it's a great read it's, yeah. it's a great read yep we love an adventure in this on this podcast and this is yeah just, i'd rather not can't get much more adventure than this <laughs> It's like, you will not believe this, but when anything major broke beneath our 111 brake horsepower diesel disco, the accepted procedure was to tip the vehicle on its side so we weren't struggling in mud. There you go. If that gives you a, a taste of what's in there. Great. Nice. It's a, it is a proper lunchtime read as well. Yep. Right. List of the week. It is from Great Driving Days. And Graham Easton has compiled a list of well, it's based off the fact that Italian car names don't always do Italian cars justice. I think they, the do, they does to, they they generally do if you're not Italian. <laughs> they sound great, and then you re, you realise what they actually mean in Italian, and it's like, well, that's a bit unimpressive. So, is there one name out of all this list that you feel? epitomizes that more than any other yes graham himself owns one of these it is the lancia trevi uh-huh which literally means three box <laughs> it's the three box lancia it has a engine box a passenger box and a luggage box uh, and it, it looks suitably unimpressive on the outside but we all know what the lancia trevi uh, dashboard is like and if not go look it up because it's the polar opposite of the outside of the larger. <laughs> I'm not going to do one because there's only five on here, but there, do click through on the link any. and have a good read because it is it is fun. And 
<laughs> he does make a fair point, I feel. He does. Did did you see the picture from one of his trips last week where the uh it was posted on Twitter? And if you don't follow uh, Great Driving Days on Twitter, then you should. Yep. Where one of the customers has managed to get an Alpha Spider stuck across, somehow stuck across a single track road, and no. then to, in a full in full Austin Powers style <laughs> setup, and it was like, I don't know what we do now. So I don't know quite how they got it out without damaging anything, but it was quite. Spec- I don't know, but it looked it was quite a spectacular job. So a small round of applause for the customer. Um, we managed that the corporate trip, yeah. Getting to the point where you go, it's okay. I can still get it out. I can still. Get it. Oh, I can't. That's not oh, no, yeah. I won't live this down ever. <laughs> Anyhow, and finally this week, this I just couldn't believe. I, I started reading this story, and I thought, how stupid are they? Because it's from the drive, and it's titled. Family finds Holmes' bathroom was made from an old Ford Transit van. They unknowingly <laughs> used its interior as a pantry and a bathroom for over 20 years. And you just think, how did you not realize, you know, the inside of a van? That's going to be obvious. Well, it turns out that it was completely wood paneled. Yes. That it had been extended in places and that it was built inside the shell of the house. And they always thought, well, it's a little bit low in here. But where was the, the, the line? They also noticed that noted their family isn't particularly tall to begin with, which definitely helped. I'm 165 centimeters. My dad is like 168 centimeters. My mom is 155 centimeters. Tiny people, they said. So the low doorway wasn't an issue. This plus the fact that the inside and the outside of the van was framed like a regular room made it impossible to tell what was really going on. They were saying when they discovered they joked it had been used in a murder or something. But no, it was definitely a green, complete with headlamps that were also painted green, old Ford Transit. So it's the version before the Ford Transit we're used to. It was the Ford Corsair, is it based on? Transit, the version that was sold in Europe. Uh, it was forward control. Uh, and and that's what was, what was used. And it was all framed out. It had proper windows and all sorts of things in it. Definitely worth following the link to this story uh, and having a read and looking at the pictures because once you start seeing the pictures, you understand how you could get. You start to understand. Let's not go too strong on that. You start to understand how how it could be part of the house. It was a framework for the rooms, and then covered yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Kind of weird. Wonderful. Wonderful. Mm. Yes, suitable and finally material anyway. Yes parish notes this week uh yaris cross special edition was out thank you for all the feedback on that so far much appreciated uh move conference your chance to attend linkies in the show notes as ever yes if there's anything you want to know about ford commercial vehicles and connected vehicles oh that just ties in with one of today's news stories that's awkward actually now that I've, I've just realized how awkward that is ford commercial vehicles or any other commercial vehicles that might be at the cv show uh, let me know on tuesday the 24th of may and the morning of wednesday the 25th as well lots of fun that is it this week unless there's anything you feel i've missed andrew 
Nope. Okay. So don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback. Share your thoughts of the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Remember, you can support us financially via Patreon, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If they search for Crack Windscreen, they should find me there. And Alan, if people don't use the podcast or Twitter handle, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you to ask about Ford commercial vehicles and connectedness or not, maybe, possibly, hopefully not? <laughs> the best way is using Twitter as well, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. Uh, as I said, we'll be back uh, pretty soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.